Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to Best Ever You. Um, I'm Elizabeth, and I have Sherry Salata on the line with us. And um, Sherry, hello, hello. I'm just going to bring you in right off the bat. <laughs> I'm so oh, my God. Elizabeth, here. you and I are... We're, we're, we're united. We've come together after all this time. <laughs> the power of Twitter and Iowa, the great state of Iowa. Thank you, Hawkeyes. <laughs> so yes, funny. And, so Hawks. And, and hair, um, because I think, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit the last to know because I didn't research you fully before <laughs> I sent you the very first tweet. There was no agenda. There was no nothing. I just like, oh, my God, I love your hair <laughs> and your eyes and your smile. And I was just sort of like watching all that you do. And I didn't really even, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even bother to do all the homework. And it turns out, oh, my gosh, this book is so cool. Everybody listening, please go to beautifulno.com and follow along and share this show and buy her book. It is so cool. It's called The Beautiful No, and there's a tagline to it, too, and other tales of trial, transcendence, and transformation. And I am just, I live in gratitude because, I, you know, I'm a human being that's, you know, lost their life nearly a couple times through food allergic reactions. So, this is a huge deal, you know, just a huge deal to have you on the show. I'm just so, I feel so blessed in this moment. My hair is like standing on end. <laughs> so, oh, um, I, Elizabeth, oh. well, you know, speaking of there, I know you love on social media. Um, I, you know, when I post my Velcro rollers, I call them the Velcro Chronicles and, <laughs> and you love that. But really the truth is I just am a terrible blow dryer. So what I do is I take that big fat curling iron and I get my hair a little bent and hot and then I throw in the Velcro rollers and that has been, that has saved me for years. I love it. Yeah. I, there are secrets here, people. You got to really go to her Instagram. <laughs> Sherry Salata. I'm going to spell the last name S-A-L-A-T-A. She has beauty secrets and all sorts of really just oh wisdom gosh. and cool things. Oh my gosh. You're, you're absolutely gorgeous. And, um, oh yeah. So, but you know, gorgeous is one thing and, but gorgeous inside is another and you're that too. And I think that's what I, I love most about you. Bravery. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I got to look at my, I wrote all these questions out. I'm like, I've got to ask her this and that and another thing, but really, um, can you start us out like in that moment of, I got to change something. Because we love change on Best Ever You. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yes. You, you are you are a, a great teacher of that. Um, you know, I think I think for me, I have an absolute um, mastery level ability to go unconscious in certain areas of my life. And I would say, you know, once once I hit, but at 35, I got the entry level job at the Oprah Winfrey Show. And, and all of a sudden, I was off to the races. And 
for almost 21 years, career of my dreams. Really um, just heart-opening, soul-expanding, dream-making as, as, as a job description. And, you know, I often felt like, oh, my God, I'm getting paid to build a spiritual life, which was amazing. And, um, you know, the, the, the experiences, the people I saw, I mean, I knew it was a once-in-ten-lifetimes um, dream ride, and it, and it sure was. But I can also take something that busy and that hectic and that all-consuming and use that as an excuse not to pay attention to the rest of my life, to health and wellness, to romance, you know, to all my relationships, to, you know, to really not putting myself, not putting myself um, in, the, in the front row seat and not, not taking care of myself. And that was the big paradox, Elizabeth, is that I had all the information, didn't need one more bit of information, and until I, until I stepped out and decided to create my own business with one of my best friends of 30 years and to dream a new dream, was I able to see that, oh, my gosh, you have let, let so many areas of your life go unlived. Did people think you lost your marbles for a moment? <laughs> like, what are you doing? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, good. No, because I think that people that, that knew me um, and, and know me well um, were, were probably very, very relieved for me in a number of oh. ways because it had been all-consuming and it had been quite a bit. And the idea that I was going to um, move into a time of life where um, – everything else would, would come first and that I would reimagine and, and revision this time was, I think, exciting for people who, who I'm in real relationships with. Do you um, – you don't regret it, I, can, I don't think, right? You, you have no – Oh, my gosh. No. I mean, listen, I feel like – so, so here's, here's the thing, and I think it's something I share with a lot of women – um, for me, it was career. For a lot of women, it's raising children um, or taking care of their families. Um, but it, it, it's very easy in, in, for those of us of these, this generational time, 40s, 50s, 60s, and older, to um, really devote ourselves in service to something outside of ourselves. So the, the opportunity, and, and we all share that to some degree, the opportunity to realize <clears throat> to really realize that being being somebody else's something, whether it's a, a you're, you're somebody else's mother, partner, daughter, or employee, even if it is um, working for one of the most beloved people on the planet, you're an employee. You're somebody else's something. That does not a full life make. And I think what's exciting is um, the women that I'm talking to and meeting. Um, across America in this middle of lifetime, I think there's a lot of us who are saying, what's next? What's, may, maybe everything I've created so far is foundational. And I've learned so much from it. I appreciate it all. It's all so great. But maybe my most glorious days are yet to come. And what am I doing to make that so? That's the difference now. And do you 
you know, I think that we sometimes, I, this is my opinion, and you can share it or disagree or whatever, because that, that makes for some good radio conversations. But I like to please people just as much as the next. Um, when you when you were in various roles that you've been in in your life, did you always want to just like please everybody? Like you, like I would think like in a role like that, you're like, okay, I'm going to read your book, buy your book, support you, support your concepts and all that stuff. And I would think that there, it would almost be like information overload at some point. Like you don't know and conflicting too, maybe even. Is that accurate or yeah. is that way off? I think that's a really great observation, Elizabeth. And I, and I'm, and how it showed up for me is, you know, yes. I mean, I, I'm, we are we are the the we we are raised by a couple generations of women by the women who raise us and the women who raise them and i think people pleasing and caring very much about what other people think of us are are very, very much a part of that generationally and what's really great about you start hitting your 40s and 50s you you're you're starting to to see wait a minute I don't care what anybody else thinks. And and all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden that that need to please people becomes less important and and instead what replaces it is I want to do what I want to do. I want to please myself. And if we can really take a moment and and really allow that that yearning to please ourselves, that yearning to um to really take care of ourselves, that that desire to put ourselves first for once, I think that's the beginning of a very interesting life for all of us. And with balance, um, I, I, so sometimes when I get people's books, I turn to a page. I just randomly turn to a page. And for you, it was page 157. And mm-hmm. sure enough, <laughs> I love this. It says, first of all, I didn't set out to achieve balance. I set out to make some big dreams come true. We, and, and it goes on and on about balance and not being in balance or being in balance and career and you know all these things I have had. I'm, a, I'm, so I'm just, I'm almost 50 and I'm a mom of four boys. They're 17, 19, 21, and 23. And heck if I can find balance in all of that throw a career on top of that and it's like a recipe for madness I mean I just you know I I don't know how people do everything that they do do you well listen I mean yes I love that chapter so much it's called um, my epic fail at work-life balance and and what I realized was and it was oh my god I'd always used to be so ashamed that um, when you run things, companies, as, as you know, um, or shows or anything, the things that I got to do, you, I'd get asked to go speak in front of audiences, and inevitably someone would ask me, how do I achieve work-life balance? And I'd be like, I'd, I'd want to creep away in shame. <laughs> um, yeah. And finally one day I realized that, wait a second, I don't even believe in it. I don't believe in work-life balance. I don't believe it's possible. I, I, I'm not setting out to even go for that. What I want to live is the life of my dreams, and what's the life of my dreams is the different, different than yours, different than somebody listening, and, and my real job is to figure out what that is. And, you know, in, in, when we're telling the story of our lives and when we're really figuring out what means something to us, words matter. And so what I realized is, yep, that doesn't work for me. 
I'm going to stop using that phrase. I'm going to st- stop judging myself by that. And instead, what I really want to do is live my life with kind of letting my, my intuition and my gut flow my attention and guide me. And um, it's, it's a much more, it's kind of like, um, it, it's kind of like summoning the divine feminine within ourselves to kind of get us on our way. Like some days, some weeks work really needs to take, take you know, a lot of time. And some days we're going to be more, more focused in different areas of our relationships. But trying to get that equaled and pars- parceled out like a mathematical equation is, is, is just a recipe for failure, I think. Yeah, I haven't, I'm, I do not preach work-life balance. I preach moment, you know, like on different days, different things are priorities and yeah. not every day is the same by any stretch, yeah. especially when, you know, you have four little kids and they're each two years apart. For example, in my case, you know, it's like, okay, soccer and baseball and you know, you're running around and there wasn't a, it for me, I wasn't a person who could like drop my kids off in, I didn't feel comfortable dropping my kids off in daycare and going to work for whatever it would be. And I didn't think I could do both well, because I'm, uh, to me, if I'm going to achieve, I'm going to achieve. So one's going to take prayer over the other. It was a really interesting conversation I had in my head (laughs) about it. And so that's kind of why I did best ever you. I'm like, you know, I can kind of pick and choose what I want to do sort of from home. But I have taken calls from my walk-in closet. <laughs> That's right. I That's right. I love it. I love it. That's really great. <laughs> There's moments where, like, I'm out in the pool. Sorry. Um, how'd you learn to trust your own gut like that? You know, it, was there, was there a, like, an, a moment you had? Did you, um, you know, I wanted to ask this, too. Was there any kind of feeling like you were sick or anything like that? Did you, like, for me, I, I just... I know when I've had too much sugar, you know, I just am Mm -hmm. touchy like that. Did you get sick or did you get tired or did you just? No, I I wouldn't say that. And I would say, how did I learn to trust my gut? I'm still doing that. I'm (laughs) still, you know, I'm I'm a make it happen, push the boulder uphill kind of producer person. (laughs) So I still have to be very, very intently focused on, on what's going on in my energy. Um, you know, so for a perfect example is, so um, as you know, you have a book coming out. There's everybody and their brother have, has ideas about what you should do to be supporting that book. Of course, you want the book to do well. All of a sudden, one day, I was like, what is that feeling I'm having? I'm like, I feel tension. It, it, it feels a little like stress. I feel my like my adrenaline rising in my body, and I'm like, oh, that's the old you. <laughs> that's the old you, the make it happen, make it happen, summon the troops, make it happen. And that really isn't how I want to live anymore. I'm really experimenting with, with kind of those more divine, magical qualities, manifesting, magnetizing, um, like really quieting my mind. So, so my most inner knowing can rise up and tell me what my next steps are. So I have to stay very vigilant because those patterns are deeply ingrained, deeply ingrained. Yeah. And, and so the changes we make um, and the little changes, the bigger changes, the changes in energy, the changes in the story we're telling ourselves 
really require attention, just paying attention to how we're speaking to ourselves and, and what, we're, what, what kind of story we're spinning about what's really going on. Oh, I can be so vicious to myself. It's scary. Give me a mirror, and I can talk all day about how awful I am. And it's it's I a know. bad pattern, isn't it? Oh my it, goodness! It really is, and that's that's one of the things that I think we have to pay the most attention to. You know, when I um when I began this reckoning process, well, here's what I knew: if you unleash that harsh, critical, judgmental, very not not loving at all voice that's been playing in your head for most of your life on yourself, you will never survive the process of taking an honest look at, at what you've created and then pivoting toward the life that you, that you really want to live. And so instead, I had to, I, I called it like, what is, so I'm like, what is the voice that, that would, could help me? What is the voice that could coach me? And I realized it's the same voice that I would speak to a baby in the grocery store. It's the same voice that I speak to my English bulldogs, Bella and Kissy with, who I love unconditionally. I just my voice immediately fills with love and tenderness and compassion. And I think for all of us, that is that's the biggest change we could make right now is really decide that other voice, we're going to thank it for whatever service it provided and send it packing and, and bring in a new voice. And that's the tender, compassionate, you are my dearest friend, nobody loves you more than me voice. Is that the swimsuit voice that goes, you know, you can go out in the backyard in your own swimsuit, give yourself a break, <laughs> ease up. Oh <laughs> no God. one's even going to yes. see you. <laughs> it is the swimsuit voice. And believe me, that is when my old voice most wants to come back. <laughs> I need swim you know, jeans. <laughs> like I know. <laughs> it's like it's the swimming swimming suit shame for sure. <laughs> it's like, oh no. All right. So, all right. I I hope everybody listens to that and plays that back a few times because that's powerful. It's the biggest change you can make is to ease up on yourself. Is that where we incorporate a little self love and self worth? Yeah. I mean. You know, that's I think I think that's the thing that 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 feels for many of us like like a, a difficult mountain to climb that place of place of love for self. And you know, I was I, I've been really ruminating on that lately. I I saw a post um, that said love yourself most, and mm-hmm. I've I've really been fascinated with the idea of it and trying to like re- root it in my own psyche. That because I you know just. For, for instance, let's imagine that we're able to discover what it means to love yourself most and, and make all of our decisions, little ones to the big ones, through that lens of loving ourselves most. All of a sudden, we've let everybody in our lives off the hook. No one needs to make us feel lovable because we love ourselves most. No, no one make, needs to make us feel worthy. Nothing external needs to come along to create that that um, solid foundation that we are we are loved and treasured and cherished because nobody else who walks the planet it loves us more than we love ourselves and I'm beginning to see that I, I think that might be the the cure the antidote the path the the direction 
the 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 foundation, the the flowered carpet on the joy ride that we get to create for ourselves. So yeah. I mean I'm 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 playing with that idea quite a bit because I think there's some good medicine in it. The master of self-love and self-worth is a guy named Gary Kobat, and he came into my life probably eight years ago or so now, and he helps with everything best ever you. And I was on a chocolate binge. I mean, a serious like head O in the chocolate chips, gaining weight thing. And he's like, where's your self-love and self-worth? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'll look in the mirror and say, oh, you're so awesome you know, or anything like that. And he he pivoted me right around. And um, he is masterful at self-love and self-worth. Wow. His name is Gary Kobat. And, yeah, he does a lot of um, coaching to athletes. And um, he's Will Farrell and Jim Carrey's coach and uh, was Jim Carrey's coach for a long time. And he is just he's he's just a beautiful human being. And he just he's recovering from heart valve surgery, actually, still. Um, he had an accident. Um, well, he had a, his heart valve blew out while he was bike riding and Will Ferrell saved his life, um, called 911 the whole bit. So yeah, great guy. If you don't know him, you should. It's Gary Kobat. He's more on Facebook than Twitter though. And um, he's, he's my kind of person. He's my mentor and I love him dearly. And we do a lot of shows together and things like that, but he's masterful at self-love and self-worth. It just brilliant. Um, so side note, um, okay, let's go back. Um, I love do that. You, yeah, do you want to talk about the kindergarten version of you? Would we be best buddies in kindergarten and have known each other our whole lives? Oh, I kind of feel would. like we would have. <laughs> we would have. We would have. Um, yeah, what was, what? you know, I was, um, I wasn't like a, my mom dressed me like a little girly girl, you know, like in, in cute little dresses and stuff like that. But I think I was more of a, a mud pie kind of girl, um, you know, um, very like I loved to read as I was learning how to read. That was that was like just opening up worlds to me. Um, and because I was I was an only child for so many years that I was so fascinated by friends you know, and other little kids and, um, like loved my little cousins once they started coming along. So, yeah, that was, that was, I was, I was eager. I was open, I would say. Did you organize people into like producing shows and things like that? When oh, you were for little? sure. <laughs> yeah. All, all those cousins, all those first cousins, every one of them has starred in a skit or a play or a musical spectacular of mine. And, you know, what, what's okay. so funny is they would, you know, I, I would get in trouble all the time because they would, someone would end up going to the parents who were off in the corner having their cocktails, complaining that I was making them practice too much because I was, I was, uh, I was a bit of a drill sergeant then as well. <laughs> yeah, we used to, I'm in the middle of 11 kids and we used to do magic shows. I'd organize everybody into magic shows. I have no idea what that's all about because I was terrible at it. But it was, you know, something to do and something fun. And, and um, yeah, there's a lot of kids, isn't it? 11 kids. Can you imagine that? I oh, eat I so can't fast. even imagine that. I can't <laughs> even imagine that. There's eight girls and three boys. Oh, my but gosh. The, we oh the fights gosh. for the phone. The fights for the phone were insane. Um, that was 
yeah, there was like one phone between 40 of us. Um, so the kindergarten version of you, did, did you read a lot? You said you read, you read a lot. Could you yeah. read right off the bat in kindergarten? Was that different from other people? Cause I know I was different like that. I could read. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I was. And, and it was really, I think they, I, they skipped kindergarten. I, I don't think I went to kindergarten, obviously. I think, I think I started right in first grade. And yeah. so I was always one of the younger ones in my class. But I ended up in those, I'm not sure this was a good idea, but I ended up in those independent reading programs where that you'd get a box of cards and you'd have to go, you know, the, the ones who could read the best were kind of isolated onto themselves. Yeah. But I'd have great teachers who would bring, like, you know, in third grade and fourth grade, they'd bring the Little House on the Prairie series for me or things like that. And, you know, my my parents were, you know, the bookmobile and going to the library was, was big in my family. And I loved all of that. And I think reading really, um, it opened up my life in such a, in such a beautiful way when I was young. Do you think you, from that point you always dreamed of writing a book or writing? Yeah, well, I did dream. I mean, I, I dreamed in fourth grade I wanted to write the history of Poland. Um, I thought that would be amazing because I'm a quarter Polish. Um, I was always a writer of sorts, um, and I always liked to write, um, but I don't think – I mean, it didn't seem possible, honestly, Elizabeth. It did not seem possible. You know, like authors write books. You know, people who are famous and important write books. I just, I don't think it was on the, you know, within my idea, the realm of possibility. I guess maybe when I started working at the Oprah show, I thought, gosh, maybe someday I could be an author like these book club people um, maybe there'd be something that I could write about, but you know, until it's happened, I mean, I still can scarcely believe it. That's that's the truth. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I I I have that same kind of thinking. Like you know, I feel like I'm just me. <laughs> but but and all those little connectors, you know, there's something about writing your story down and having people relate to you. You're, you have, I think through your book, you've made yourself vulnerable and people, what do you think about that? Like people seem to really connect with that right now. I was raised with don't ever show anybody a flaw or a booger. Uh Uh-uh, no, no, no. You know, everything's perfect and dandy. And it's like, no, that's not the way life is. Life is messy and, you know, and twist and turn and, you know, know, uh, Right. You know, well, I would agree with you. I mean, I was raised the same way. It's like you don't go hanging out your laundry all over in front of everybody. But I think what ha- ha- helped me so much is when Nancy and I started our podcast, the Sherry and Nancy show a couple years ago, because, you know, we're just having a conversation like you and I are having right now. It's not in front of anybody live anyway like that you can see. And so yeah. next thing you know, it's, it's, you know, you're revealing things you've never said before. You're talking about things that usually you would consider very private. And then the feedback would come from the listeners that that helped me so much. You know, the fact that you would share that. Now I feel better about it. You know, and certainly I had seen that with the Oprah show when people would share their stories and their pains and their heartaches that, People around the world felt uplifted and, and bettered by that. So, 
so yeah, I mean, I you know, when I was working on the book, there were times when I would kind of gloss over something and then I'd go back and think, nope, if 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 you are going to put something out in the world, you know, um with your name on it, you're you're going to have to go deeper. You're going to have to take your skin off a little bit. Yeah, my mom said, "Oh no. <laughs> what you right?" <laughs> to write about us I'm like here you go it's all right there I didn't I think you're wonderful and make a mean pumpkin cake so it's all good mom (laughs) oh that's so sweet oh my gosh (laughs) yeah no I wasn't gonna go ripping on my parents at all they were they're pretty cool but um uh do you so the one thing I noticed about you is just in meeting you a little bit that you don't have a what can you do for me part to you there's no gene there that's you know activated that says what can you do for me it seems like you to me anyway the fact that you're on my show it shows that you pay such close kind attention to everybody at all levels am I right (laughs) because I'm so grateful for you and I love Nancy, by the way. Oh my gosh, I need to talk about that podcast because I love her too. I just want her on as a guest too. Awesome. I'm like, please, Nancy, come on the show. I, I know. I yeah. I don't have that. What can you do for me thing? In fact, the fact that you know so many people that I've helped over the years or whose things I've launched, the fact that those people have like just risen up to support me with this book launch is, I mean, I marvel at it. To tell you the truth, I marvel at it. I just go, wow, I just can't even believe it. You know, and even people that I've met in the last couple of years for, through, you know, various meetings and groups, I mean, just sending, you know, sending my book out to their lists and, you know, having me like you, having me on your show, I just marvel at that. I think that, you know, I just, you know, it, 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 it's, it's new territory for me. And I really, really absolutely appreciate it. Um, I like to, I I will tell you that I am becoming a person who pays very close attention to other people because I'm becoming a person who pays very close attention to myself. And Um, that I think those two things go hand in hand. Yeah. I, I'm so fascinated by other people. I, I think so many people have so many gifts and talents that it's almost overwhelming if you stop and think about it. It's just crazy cool how how people are. The yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's wild. I mean, we have a son who plays college baseball, and it's gone from oh my god, he looks so cute in his little t-ball uniform to oh my god, he's pitching in summer collegiate leagues, and and you meet so many different people through that. And people come up and they're like, oh, I love the way he pitches or, I love, you know, and you're like, wow, somebody's like, you're paying attention to my child. You don't have to do yeah. that. That's amazing. That is amazing. I, I just think people are so cool. Yeah. So I agree with you. And, and I think, don't you love the power of social media? Like, how was that when, when you, when you were doing TV and didn't have social media compared to how like it is now? Yeah. Social yeah, I mean, you know, here's well, you know, sometimes there's a bit of a um bit of a, you know, let me let me say what I think about social media. I think social <laughs> media is amazing. I think never in our lives have we had the ability like how you and I have connected. 
I mean, unless yeah. we ran smack dab into each other at a University of Iowa event, we might never know uh-huh. one another. And and in that way, our lives have become so much more expansive, and the possibilities for connection and friendship just limitless in a way that it's never been before. And I think the only thing that maybe we need to pay attention to is going down the rabbit hole of the scroll, as I say, you know, <laughs> scrolling, scrolling, scrolling mindlessly when when actually maybe five minutes of deep breathing or a 15-minute meditation would would serve us better. And so that's what I say to myself. Listen, I, I'm the same way. I, I get on Facebook, and next thing I know, I'm like, oh, my God, an hour's passed. What was I just doing with myself? And um, that's that's the thing. It's like it, it's like how I mindlessly used to watch television, and now I curate it so specifically where I only choose certain shows. I, I my TV's yeah. not on all day long. I sit down to watch it when I have when I've decided. Oh, I'm gonna go watch a scripted series that I have saved for myself. I'm not just barraged 24/7 with television anymore because what I want to curate what comes into my experience. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I also think that um, I think it's really important to stay so kind to other people on social media. Like, like I, I try to teach my children, people I encounter to like, if you wouldn't say that to their face, Definitely do not type that out on anything. <laughs> Definitely don't send well, it. Well, I think you bring up a good point. I think it would be really tough to be a grade school kid in the age of social media. Oh. You know, it was bad enough for, for kids to get, you know, bullied, you know, at, at school on the premises. And I just can't even imagine. It might be, it must be a real trial. You know, if you're yeah. a parent with, with a kid who's going through a phase like that, oh, my gosh. Yeah, Hard you stuff. could be bullied yeah I, I said yep you can be on social media and guess who your number one fan is <laughs> mom <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, like, so oh no and I'm like yeah and you can feel them try and get away from you as they get older because you know like all the parents are on Facebook now there's this huge joke among you know kids like all the parents yes. are on Facebook and the kids are on Snapchat and I had right. this um I, I, oh it's hilarious but my kids you know my kids know I don't well, I semi-stock them on social media, but not anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, we were at a at a restaurant, and the kids were like, "Mom, you need Snapchat." And I'm like, "Oh, I don't. Trust me, I don't need any more social media." And they're like, "Look what you can do, though." And they turned me into like this great troll on Snapchat. And I'm like, "Oh, I definitely need Snapchat." <laughs> so on Snapchat. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so, so funny. Oh yeah. Well, so I, I mean, I posted like this picture of um. You know, Snapchat, you can voice change and stuff like that. I'm like, this is why parents shouldn't be allowed access to Snapchat and all that stuff. No, so I don't know because I don't have a child to teach me. So oh, well. somebody once tried to teach me Snapchat, and I was like, I don't really get this. It, like, yeah. it's there and it's gone. I don't really understand. It's just for goof around. I mean, it's just it changes yeah. your face and it puts curlers in your hair and all this stuff. But what, what I think is super important about that is – Sometimes if you're not on those formats, you lose a generation of, of people who want to read your book or look oh, at your website and sure. so forth oh as they God. grow up. So that's that's kind of some of the things I think about that. But um, I'm losing track of time, and I keep wanting to talk to you. i got to look at time here. But I, while I'm doing that, can you talk – this is – okay, so we talked about all the people out there and people we encounter and so forth. I kind of – in doing Best Ever You for a long time now – 
I see a lot of grief. I see a lot of people walking around in grief, hiding grief. And your book talks about um, loss in a couple different spots. And I just recently lost my father in October, um, who was a huge topic of my own book. Um, He's why I even wrote a book, because he was so darn inspirational as a stroke survivor. And um, my heart aches hearing about your loss. And I was I was just wondering if you could talk about that, but also talk about it in terms of hiding grief and the ways it shows up and all that. Right. Well, I mean, I, I knew um, nine years ago, my, my younger brother at 44 years old didn't wake up. He had a massive heart attack in his sleep, four little kids. Um, <laughs> it was, nobody saw it coming. It was, it was. It was such a shock. It was season 24, the second to the last season of the Oprah Winfrey show, and I was the executive producer. And I knew that in this book I was going to have to write about it. And and even though I was going to have to write about it not having processed that grief because I had basically gone into producer mode and then gone back to work. And yeah. um, it was... I, I saved it. It was the second to the last chapter I wrote. And I, I kept saving. I kept putting it off because I knew that I was going to have to go really deep into it. And what I discovered was that that delay of processing that, that fully feeling the pain of, of that loss at the time, it, it, it isn't like it disappears. It All it does is it creates another piece of baggage on the big cart you're hauling behind you through your life. And, you know, I could begin to see how um, that loss, at the same time earlier that year, my mom had been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. So the big shock was we're all hovering around keeping her alive, and and my brother dies suddenly. And it was... You know, so a lot of complex, heavy-duty things going on, not unlike all families experience at one point or another. But what I could see was that um, not feeling those feelings, like we we end up carting those with us into every relationship, into every job. We are either standing guard because now we're we're all of our – our adrenaline is sky high because we're going to stay alert to make sure we don't get caught off guard again, or it's it's an, or we shut ourselves down because feeling that pain is it 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 feels like we won't, we won't survive it if we yeah. fully feel it we're not going to make it through the other side and so that's what once I once I began to tell that story. And I, I had gone and I had rented a house in Sonoma to, to finish the book. And I knew I had to write that very difficult chapter. And I, um, I just let it rip. I just started telling the story. And then I'd have to go for a walk or, you know, sit by the fire and just really um, take myself back to every moment of those couple weeks when I I felt like my world was torn apart. And the truth is, of course I did survive it. Of course I did make it through. And, of course, um, I cried like I've never cried in my life. And I released and I released. And every time I thought I was done, there was still more to release. But, um, you know, that's my message. My message is 
that, you know, you, you end up with your heart's even more open, your um, capacity for compassion is even greater, and that, you know, you will survive those unfelt griefs. Yeah. I, I, I saw my dad take his last breath, and I can't mm. get it out of my head still. Um, yeah. And it's and he died October 19th, and it, it you're about to cry again. You know, it, it's just painful. And he was such a part of all of our lives and so many kids and so many grandkids and great-grandkids and baseball and everything. And um, it's, it's just brutal. I feel for people. And, you know, I think I've. I think what I've done, what I've noticed, I, had, I stopped myself 58 days ago, been on a sugar detox. So I stuck my head right back in that chocolate and pizza again. I mean, whoa, I am a, like a stress, emotional type eater, I've learned. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, that whole experience and not about me even, just that's, that was like a un almost like an unconscious, you know, like not a real reaction to anything, um, just like something I was subconsciously doing or whatever. I don't even know. But 58 days ago now, I'm just like, okay, we're stopping this and we're going right. to let the grief happen. And I, I'm just so sad some days without my dad. It's a yeah. bummer. And it's, so, my parents were married for over 40 years and there's all of us. And my mom is just yeah. sucking wind on certain days. I'm like, Oh, I don't know how to do this. you you go on this like uncharted territory and yeah. um, it's, it's painful. And I think I'm just coming to realize like it makes you kind of really go, well, is that statue sitting on my shelf really that important? Wow. I've just, you know, I've lost my dad. Is that, you know, material, I feel like got all weird with material things suddenly. Yeah. Well, gradually a little bit. Do, do you have any, how about your advice on that? <laughs> Siri? <laughs> so, you know, listen, uh, I mean, it, uh, it, 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 it definitely is that, that, that walk through fire that you only you can do for yourself. Um, yeah. you know, um, four years later, my, my mom died. And, um, I remember thinking it's like, I keep, I would keep playing the game of what's worse. Cause I knew at the time my brother died, it was terrible for me. It was, it was absolutely terrible for me, but my parents had lost a son. And my niece and nephews had lost a dad. And my yes. sister-in-law had, had lost her life partner. And I'd be like, like I, I'm sure it's worse for them. I'm sure it's worse for them. Like, but, you know, it, it, just, it, it almost like doesn't even matter. It's like everybody has to do their walk. And it's, and it's a solo thing. And to, to feel your feelings, to express your grief, to acknowledge your pain. And then, then the light comes in and then the healing begins where... I love these great words from Abraham Hicks, um, which is really my spiritual path. You know, you you have to look for them where they are, not where they where they aren't. You know, so oh, I think yeah. I think of um, my mom comes to me as a dragonfly, and uh-huh. um, and and it's weird. It's like in in a moment of decision, all of a sudden, I'll get bombarded. With, with dragonflies, and I know that's her way of just touching base, telling me, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Um, and I was, just, I was just at my dad's house, my mom and dad's house last weekend, and I was looking at the green plaid couch, and my mom always sat in this one section of it, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I miss you so much. And I thought, oh, see, I'm looking for you where you aren't anymore. 
instead of like bring on the dragonflies, like all the different mm-hmm. ways when I'm when I'm really centered that she shows up for me, that she answers questions for me, that she just she just touches me in in some energetic way to let me know that she's still very much present. That's really that's really wise advice. I love that. Because that's what I do, too. I'm like, exactly. You're like looking for them where they aren't. That's a really good point. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I will. I will incorporate that into my world. It really helped me. It really has helped me. Because I stopped doing the thing that makes me sad. And instead, I try to do the thing that makes me feel connected to her. And when I know, okay, here's what I know. This is a big mystery. And, And the veil is thin. The veil is thin between the non-physical and the physical. The veil is thin, and it's the great mystical, magical mystery of this experience. And, you know, I know that, that we, we live in a quantum reality, and, and, it's, and it's becoming clearer all the time how mystical life is. So why not live like that so, like you know that's yeah. true? Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about, so I wanted to kind of take that, but but lighten the conversation a little bit if we can. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I still want to go into no land because, um, I, I, again, like I, I love it for if people listen to the show and it truly helps them. Like if you're sitting on your treadmill and you're listening to us, you know, right now or on replay, I'd like for you to listen to this and go, wow, just like she helped me, I'd like for this to help you. One of the things I, I see over and over and over again on Best Ever You are people feeling rejected. My my manuscript has been rejected. My I got a yeah. no for that job offer. I got a, you know, um, a little bit more no than yes. And I love to tell people, say yes, say yes, say yes, and say no to certain things. And, you know, I'd love to be positive. Can you talk about... That, you know, like a good solid no can, I don't get bummed out by no's. No's are kind of cool in a way because, yeah. you know, I don't beat my head over the no. It's like, no, this stuff's going to happen. But sometimes people get stopped right in their tracks. By well, no. listen, I, I've lost months of my life being d- disappointed, heartbroken, um, you know, steeped in depression over the no's that I've gotten in my life. And it's why I named the book The Beautiful No, because it's been kind of become a a foundational spiritual principle, is I was up for a big, huge job in advertising and, and, and didn't get it and thought I was getting it, and it seemed like I was getting it. And then at the 11th hour, I did not get the job, and I, I, was, I was broke. I really needed it. And shortly thereafter, I got the the message on my answering machine from the Oprah Winfrey show asking me to come in and freelance. And and here's what I knew. A few years later, I was like, wow, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so glad I didn't get that job at, at the advertising agency. And I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, my God. That was the beautiful no. That was the most beautiful no I'd ever gotten. And I just started to look at my life and say, any time that you didn't get what you thought you wanted, it led to other things and other meetings and other opportunities. And, or it spared me from pain and heartbreak and, and, and things that I, I truly did not want. And so I tend to, 
what I what I look at the, the the concept of the beautiful no, the philosophy as I've laid it out, it's I don't want to lose any more days, weeks, or months to being disappointed, heartbroken, or depressed. When a no comes my way, I want to in that moment master it and say, hey, I can't see the benefit in you right now, but I trust and believe that I will. And so I press on and, and, and look forward to seeing how, how this is going to all unfold in my life. Yeah, that's wise, that's wise as well. See, we're helping people. I love it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Oh, um, what do you dream of? I'm, okay, so now I'm on page 252. This is another page I turn to because you're like, you are what you dream, and you're talking about yeah. your mighty dream quest and all this stuff. Yep. So what do you dream of? You've done so many things. And by the way, sorry, advertising agency. <laughs> Is that, is that like a, <laughs> but we're not vindictive, are we? <laughs> no, no, no. But okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> listen, I'm living the life of my dreams now because it's fully inhabited. I feel like I'm fully living it. I'm focused. I listen to the story I tell myself. I make sure it's the story I want to tell. Um, but, like, you know, the details of, of the dream still unfolding, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to manifesting. Um, oh, do you hear that? There, there's a oh, we love it. Kiss, but make them bark. Hello, baby. In, 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 so in real adorable. life. Hi, girls. Hey, Hi. can we stop that? Bella, why don't you come over here? I'm, I'm busy right now. Um, oh. the, I'm looking forward to manifesting uh, my soulmate man. Um, yep. And I'm, I've moved to a new area of the country, a new part of the country, and it, it, it's like a small-town, world-class situation, and I, I, you know, meeting all kinds of new people, so that feels really good, and I awesome. also think I would like to live abroad, like perhaps work from Tuscany for a year. Epic. So, th- yeah, so, so <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking there'll be something like that. In, oh. in in the not-too-distant future. And meanwhile, I'm growing my own crops in the backyard. I, I have a big edible garden, and oh. I'm, 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 I, I'm embracing the freedom that I feel, the, the freedom that I've claimed as my own in my life. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. You know, I read something yesterday that said, Millennials don't want to work for you. They want to work for themselves. Yes. And I went and I cringed and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. So we're just going to skip the step of learning from your elders <laughs> or or people that or people that you work with. You know all that stuff. Do you do you think that you could just launch all of this stuff without the experiences you're having that you've had because. I don't think I could. I don't think I could do best ever you without the life I've lived and the experiences well, I've had. I couldn't. I I couldn't have, and I couldn't have because of those generational and cultural things that we talked about. But what I'm seeing when I'm out in the world, which which makes me so happy for for young women and 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 guys, that there is they have a way of self support where yeah. um, masterminds and groups where they come together and share their learnings and provide support in a way that, you know, our, our parents didn't have, 
and that we didn't have. Like, if I would have said I'm starting my own company when I graduated from um, Iowa, I, I'd have been like, you sit down, Missy. You're going to get a proper paycheck, you know, and actual benefits. You're not going to go off and start your own company. What kind of company? And and so I'm kind of I'm kind of cheering for those young folks. I think, oh, I am too. Yeah. I think trying to being the master of your fate is a really interesting idea, but I do think it's very important that you like you you gather with with fellow young entrepreneurs to support each other and and to kind of mastermind your way through the pitfalls, right? Yeah, and maybe a few older people with a little bit more mileage. Like I always tell my kids, you know, you guys are all c- cool and brilliant and all that stuff. You know, I'm not saying I'm smarter than you. I just have a little bit more mileage and experience. So maybe I've seen things a little bit more than you have at this point. So make sure you ask. Like if you see something, I'm not going to probably say no to it, but just ask because we might be able to add something to it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Listen, I love the the wisdom of the elders. My my two grandmothers, like, uh, were, you know, in in physical life, they were guiding lights for me, and now in non-physical life, they're guiding lights for me. It's so, it's so strange. Every time I would be at something, you know, uh, someone would say, we have, you know, a, a psychic or a soothsayer or something, and, and every single time it would be like, your grandmas are here, and they keep saying, <laughs> write the book, write the book. Write so the book. Um, I dedicated the book to them. Yeah. That okay. So that's what that was. I wondered what that. I wondered who the dedication was. So yeah. for for Annie and Julia, I didn't know who that was. Yeah. And I was going to ask. Is that your favorite right, part right. of the book? <laughs> What's your favorite part of this book? I know. Do you have. What's my do you have favorite? One? It's book. Hard. Yeah. Yes, I do. And I think my favorite story of all of them is the chapter I wrote about Kissy, uh, my thirteen-year-old oh, yes, English that. bulldog. And I just like that story. I think it's a little gem and. She's just she's just come into my life like I think we're probably, you know, on she's on her way out and you know yeah. she's starting to have health challenges and and I can feel her starting to detach and so that's going to be a very very difficult loss for me. I'm going to have to really process it. I'm going to have to really feel my feelings around that, but her journey to me and our time together has been, you know, so instructive. And so um, heart opening that that is it's just one of my favorite stories and and if, if for anybody who who loves their animals I think they'll like that story too. Yeah, I am um, probably one of the biggest animal lovers on the planet. Um, go on, challenge me, peeps, because um, <laughs> I I love to rescue animals, with cats, dogs, hamsters, bunnies, whatever it is. Wow. Um, but we have a, so you and I are going to go through this together because we, we have an elderly dog as well and, um, she's 12 and she was just diagnosed last week and I'm, I, I'm teary, just, I don't know what I'm going to do, but you know, when their back legs don't work, they, I'm going to say the word wrong. It's like neuromyelopathy or something like that, but her back legs don't work very well and they're starting to shake and so forth. And, um, oh yeah. So we're, yeah. we're, we've got a doggy who doesn't feel so good and she's 12. And then um, before the show, I almost posted my, not that you want to know all about my animals, but I almost posted my co-host, which is a feral, a feral cat I rescued. Her name is Mel. I didn't know if you like cats. So I'm like, I better not post that. Oh, like cats. Sweet. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah so, I'm an animal oh, lover. Oh my goodness. 
goodness. Like, and those English, I hope you post more pictures because the dog, I love those kind of dogs. They're so I know. Cute. They're so adorable. They're so yeah. sweet. Oh, dog mommy. I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love my doggies and kitties. Um, okay. One more question, then I'll let you go. Cause I know I'm, I'm keeping you and I'm rambling, but I love you and, and thank you. Um, and I love you back. And this is oh, so thank great. You. Yeah, I, your book, uh, for anybody who just joined us, is Sherry Salata, and your book is The Beautiful No, and and we have the the amazing ability to talk to you, and um, we're just so grateful, but here's, okay, so here's my question. What comes natural to you, and what do you have to work at? Is there anything where you just absolutely are, like, great at something and, and are terrible at something? Do you have those things in your oh life? God. Does anything I come to think. mind other than blow drying out your hair because your hair is beautiful no matter yes, what? Yeah, blow drying my hair does not come naturally to me. Me either. Um, Hot rollers and Velcro. I learned Velcro rollers a couple weeks ago. Okay, Thank you. so technology does not come naturally to me. So I'm constantly, you know, and, and for many years as a producer, I'd have teams of technical people helping me. <laughs> so I, I yeah. get, it's, it's shocking to me how not naturally it is. Um, and yet I have to keep pushing myself through it or I'll just end up like a, a, a dinosaur. So um, that is, does not come naturally. What does come naturally? Hmm. Everything else? You know, I, I, think I think that's humor. your one flaw maybe? <laughs> no, I think humor comes naturally to me. I love to laugh. I love, I, I just, I love it when people are funny. That is such an attractive quality to me. And, you know, for a lot of years work came naturally for me. You know, yeah. you know, problem solving, troubleshooting, producing, dreaming things up, that came very naturally to me. So, which is why I leaned so heavily into it. And now, what I'm, what I realize is, it's okay if you're not the best at something. You can still be your best at it. Your best ever, you. You know, it's okay. <laughs> you don't yep. have to be. Don't just do the things that you think you can be the best at. Try the things that that you know. You know, like I just took Italian for eight months last year, and I was the worst person in the class. You know, I was the one fumbling through my notes, but I loved it so much because I'd given my per- myself permission not to have to be the best person. Yeah, that's uh, that. Don't you think that when when a lot of success comes with the focus on what you really need to work at? Like I got I'm yeah. the worst runner on the planet. I mean. Biggest cat lover, biggest dog lover, worst runner, and um, and yet our son's baseball coach is like, and guess what you're gonna go do? <laughs> you get to go run. <laughs> like, oh no! Um, but you know, I can I can actually run two miles now, and I'm stunned because I don't love to run. But when you kind of focus on it and do little bits and pieces of what you're bad at, it, you might not be ever be the best on the planet at it, but you have your own little. Um, self-love and self-worth going on instead of that voice going, Oh, I want to run, but I can't or whatever. Oh, right. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're all loving it. Okay. So I got to end the show, which I, you all know that I don't like to end the shows. I go on and on and on and on, but we're going to send you all to beautiful com, And, um, there is a free chapter, right? You can get free stuff well, there's, on your website. Yeah, there's a free chapter that you can read. The free chapter eight is up there. You can also, when when you get the book and all the links to buy the book from all the different 
um, stores are, are on, at thebeautifulmo.com. You can also get the free 64-page workbook, which oh, is awesome. kind of the, the, the companion workbook to reading The Beautiful Mo. And uh, we spent a lot of time on it, and I think it's really good. Okay, I'm I'm gonna get mine too. I don't have that, yeah. so I'm getting mine. Do um, do, is it the beautiful no or beautiful no or do they both work? It is thebeautifulno.com. Okay, good. I now will add that link in and make sure everybody has that. Sherry, um, I love you. Go Hawkeyes. Go the beautiful no. Go life. Go energy. Go peace. All those good go wonderful best things. Go you. Go Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, my you. friend. I'm so I'm All so right. glad we're friends. Oh, I am too. I look forward to to following you and knowing you and doing and just being part of your world. It's it's a, it's a joy actually. <laughs> Find joy. There's Sherry. So, um, all right, everybody. Thank you, Sherry, for being with us. Um, you can follow her on Twitter too. She's she's amazing on in various social media formats. And um, thank you all for listening. Okay, this is the part where I hate ending the show, so I'm just going to say it one more time. Go to thebeautifulno.com. And thank you all for listening. What I also want to say is that when we bring our guests on, remember, we don't have sponsors or advertisers or anything like that. Everything Best Ever You and all of our millions of downloads are just because of you. You've heard it. You've shared it. You've told somebody about it. That kind of stuff. That's how we've made books sell and and shows download and 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 helped people. That's the message. So there's stuff in this show that will actually turn your life around or set it in a different direction or, and um, just whatever you're thinking of and dreaming of all those things, reach out and ask somebody about it because I am such a firm believer that if you don't get vocal with what you're thinking, no one ever knows it. So tell somebody, say, I'm thinking about writing a book. I'm thinking about moving. I'm thinking about taking Italian for eight months. When you do that, people show up for you and help make your dreams come true. So visit us at Best Ever You. We love you. Go out and grab a copy of The Beautiful No by Sherry Salata. It's S-A-L-A-T-A. Her website is thebeautifulno.com. I love you all. Thank you for listening. And we're going to be back on August 11th with Winston Clements. So thank you all. Have a great day. Thank you, Sherry. Yay. <laughs> Take care, Bye. everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, Elizabeth. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.